Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Dale Etherington. On this episode, we are going to review Waco, which was a series that ran on the Paramount Network, which I was only vaguely aware even existed uh, in 2018, but recently was added to Netflix and I think has spurred a new round of attention and discussion. And I think Jordan's been, in particular, has been really excited to talk about it. Before we get to that, I just really quickly wanted to apologize to all of our listeners because I uploaded the wrong audio file for the last episode. So if you're trying to listen to a review of Middle Ditch and Schwartz and all you heard was Daryl's voice and long periods of silence, that was my fault. And if you're still struggling with it, just delete that episode and re-download it and everything should be fine. Was it really the wrong audio or was it exactly the right audio? <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like a performance art as podcast kind of thing. And some po- some podcast clients, you can like set to delete silence gaps. So maybe people had a real good experience with that. Ooh. Just me monologuing about it for 45 minutes or whatever the total would have been. Right. And you had the best comments. So it was it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I promise that I probably will make other mistakes. That's the last time I'll make that specific mistake. And um, just just wanted to give people a heads up in case they were still confused. But let's uh, move on to Waco. So Jordan, since you were the one who encouraged us to watch it, do you want to just talk a little bit about what interested you in the show in the first place? Well, you guys know that I'm a big fan of the dark and disturbing on television. Um, so this fits right into that genre. I also love stories that are based on truth or real life or real life events. So another tick box for me. Um, I mean, it's essentially a retelling of a story that I think most of us have heard many, many times over, particularly myself, who Mm. I love like true crime drama and stuff like that. And um, not true crime drama, I'm sorry, true crime documentaries, which... There have been many documentaries that either reference Waco or are about Waco. And, you know, I I like the dramatizations of those types of things. And this definitely falls into that category. So I was excited about it for those reasons. I also think like anything to do with cults is pretty interesting. Um, It's just like a fascinating, weird phenomenon that like relatively normal people get so caught up in bonkers shit. Um, and so, yeah, I was interested in it. And then I was very much more interested in it the further along I got. It tells a totally different side of the story than I even knew existed. I think the story's always been that Waco was a tragedy where this guy, this leader, you know, got all these people kind of barricaded in, wouldn't let them out, and... You know, for some reason, I believe that he shot many of them, like, and I don't know, this paints a totally different picture of the whole scenario and really points a finger at the ATF and the FBI and, you know, like law enforcement in general. I don't know. What did you guys think? Definitely did that. I don't know much about it either. I was saying to Anthony, uh... Uh, before like i wasn't aware of too much about it except that it was a distant memory of like some 
crazy thing that happened when a crazy cult leader like did bad stuff. That was basically the extent of my knowledge, but this definitely portrayed a very different, like it did not agree with that. Like I was like, what, what is this? Who are the, why are they, why are these people being portrayed so sympathetically? And it was initially really hard to take that seriously. Like it seemed weirdly, um, complimentary about all of them. Like it really seemed to portray them all as laudable characters, even, and it skipped past some of the like skipped past or went out of its way to like justify some of, uh, Koresh's like really awful behavior. Like, the stuff where he was like, "Oh, I'm the only one who's allowed to have sex in a in the in the group," he was like, "Oh no, I have to bear this for the rest of them." And then, like, I mean, this is kind of spoilery, but I don't think it's spoilery. I don't know. It's just part of the story that happened, and I think it's like as recounted by whatever his devotees. Right, yeah. But like, and then he was just like. Yeah, I'd find this unpleasant, like, later. And it's like, what? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> well, it's how? not just that he finds it unpleasant. is that he, when he starts to enjoy it, he has to stop himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it just, like, wh- there were times where it went seemed to go really out of its way to, like, justify his behavior, even when his behavior is off the wall. And they also had, like, some really weird sympathetic narrators, like, throughout, like, the like this the crazy right-wing radio host is like the one that you're supposed to be like this guy's the voice of reason and it's like what who who is why and then the theologian like or the theologian like no these are crazy people if they were presented in a way that was like proper and real like you would be like oh look at these kooks like i didn't like it i didn't i didn't like how on side it was and because it was, it's like, no, objectively, these people were bad and he was a bad person. Not these people. The other people were victimized. But he was a bad person. He, The people who were closest to him, probably also bad people, aiding in the victimization. There's that, no way that they should be portrayed as anything other than that. And then, like, sure, maybe the government was also bad. I'm, sh- I'm sure they were. Like, the government is very eager to do some crazy shit sometimes when they have guns, right? They love having guns and arming up and like doing paramilitary action. That's like a valid criticism too. But like, I don't think they should have come out looking as victimized as they did in this thing. It it was really weird. I mean, it felt to to me like it was made for people who would, um, sort of view Koresh kind of skeptically and negatively and and was meant to to an extent to be a corrective to that and and Daryl I, I was actually sort of in the same boat as you that uh, you know I think when it happened I was aware of it and maybe watched the news and and like since then I've heard the word Waco Waco come up in various contexts as sort of like a warning of how badly these things can go but I did you know have not followed it have not tried to do any research about it so had almost no idea about what had happened and um i i do think that i think you're right that that it does try to emphasize the more human side of of koresh and of the sort of larger cult of branch davidians i i don't think that it's trying to suggest that they're blameless or that what he was doing was great i mean i think it's 
they at least acknowledge that it is a pretty fucked up situation on the compound even before law enforcement gets involved i think and and but i think it's fair to say that maybe they minimize what are the negative aspects they like acknowledge it it's sort of there in the background but the things they focus on are the the ways in which he is surprisingly human and kind and charismatic to the other cult members and and so i i guess that that i think is a, a fair criticism but i don't think it's meant at least so i've only seen the first three episodes but from that, from those three episodes, it does not feel to me like it's a story about how David Koresh was a great guy and then was killed by law enforcement. It was that here was this kind of weird, unsettling cult that probably the government should have done something about, but that something should not have been a full-on militarized assault on the compound. Yeah, they do have some characters in it that kind of like... You like seem to be the ones who represent that perspective, like specifically the Laguizama character. I'm thinking of, but like, I still don't really buy it. And I think <laughs> okay. they went. I think they were really aggressive in some of the ways that they tried to overly humanize Koresh. In a, in a, like, I don't think they yeah. humanized Koresh. Like that. That's not how I saw it at all. Like I actually felt hmm. like Koresh was definitely, um, you know, like, from everything I've seen and heard of Waco before this, Koresh did not, I guess all cult leaders have, like, some sort of charismatic personality, but you didn't hear much about that. Like, you just heard that he was, like, stubborn, he wouldn't come out, and that he killed people um, at the end, and himself. And, you know... I thought that the story was more about the people who are following Koresh than him himself. It definitely gives him a face and a voice and shows how people might have been lured to kind of come be in his world. Um, But I think it was more about the people that followed him. And I will say, whatever happened, whatever happened, whatever the truth of Waco actually is, I don't think we can call a 50 plus day standoff with children in the middle a success. Like, I think that it's fair to say that. Well, that I don't think that's mismanaged. No, 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 no. I'm not saying claim. you guys said it was. I'm just saying, like, no matter how, whether or not the government should have intervened or how they intervened, it definitely could have been done way, way, way better than what, what was done, right? Like, that was a mess. So. In real mm-hmm. life and in the in the show, you know? Right. And I think one of the things that is powerful about the show is that it's suggesting, I think in my head it was just an example of, it, in as much it was, as it was the, you know, we might blame the government for it or blame law enforcement for it, it was just that they screwed up. And I think this, in a somewhat on-the-nose and ham, ham-handed, but I think also compelling way, makes the case that this is part of like a larger trend of the militarization of law enforcement and and so that it's not just this sort of one-off thing but that what we saw there i think we see in smaller ways in law enforcement across the united states yeah i think that's true i mean they had the list right but the list came from that unreliable spokesperson that was the problem for me it's like the guy, the guy went through a list of like, oh god, well, I guess this is a spoiler. It's not, it's not really about spoilers. the radio I don't guy. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. The radio guy, Wait. like this Alex Jones type character, because he's like, like that's who, 
like first talked about a lot of this stuff was Alex Jones, right? Like he's he's he did a documentary that was like very favorable towards Waco. So it, the whole thing is like very discomforting to me. And sure, okay, U.S. like law enforcement militarization bad. They should not be running around trying to shoot things down and like breaching things, especially with like people there, right? But like. The, the the people are not just uh, like doing nobody any wrong like like there's that right like that's consistently the message throughout is like why didn't you just leave them alone it's like no 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 you don't get to leave people alone who are like stockpiling weapons uh practicing like super weird child bride multiple marriages yeah. like that's not cool like it doesn't matter that, that, that i agree with that Obviously. no yeah. You don't leave that alone, right? And like, I thought it just felt like to me it felt American in the way of like individual rights and freedoms supersede basically everything, and so we're gonna remind people about those. And it was like, oh, obviously they don't. Like th- to me, I just had an immediate like guttural reaction to like, don't even suggest it. Don't even begin to suggest it, right? And I'm and I was like, maybe it's an American thing. But well, I think I don't think I that, don't that like radio show host was supposed to be like the voice of the audience. Though maybe I'm wrong about that, and maybe <laughs> that is exactly the way that Americans, you know view that and feel like oh yeah he's like making a lot of great points or whatever i didn't feel that way at all i felt like he was supposed to get under your skin kind of like uh alex jones right which is a nice way of talking about how alex jones makes me feel um but yeah i i you know i think that the the show is successful in that it whether it's true or not, you know, I don't think we can really lay claim to what is or is not true on any of this, right? Because we don't know what happened inside there for 51 days. But I think it mm-hmm. is successful in that we've had, there's so much footage of outside of Waco and there's so many people talking about how it happened from way outside looking in. And there's 50 days of this whole thing that happened. And I don't think that there's been, you know, a real not real in the sense of true, but real in the sense of, you know, visceral look at what the inside of that place must have been like. And I do, again, like just to circle back to what I said before, there's something interesting about the idea of a cult in general and how seemingly rational, normal people behave and can get lured into and start changing their behavior and their principles and their belief systems in this, you know, like kind of, um, hive mind environment where everyone is, you know, you, once you become the outlier, you are very much an outlier and the, the fear involved with that. All that said, I remember watching with my, my parents and my sister and being like, mom, like, would you like, can you imagine a single scenario in which you would stay and your kid was leaving or you know, like that you wouldn't just get the fuck out of there. She was like, no, of course not. Like (laughs) she was like, but she was like, also Jordan though, I would never be there to begin with. Like, you know, there's like that whole idea that like, I don't know. It's interesting to me. It's interesting to me because they do seem like, at least in this show, they seem like generally reasonable 
people except for they missed the big elephant in the room where they shouldn't have been there to <laughs> begin with, right? Like on everything that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, it's like, oh, this all makes sense. Like your arguments make sense. Like I understand why you want milk for the babies and blah, blah, blah. But like, why are you there to begin with? Like fucking leave. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. It It's a very tug of war situation emotionally because, and, and you're right, Daryl, that they framed it in a way where you empathize with people that you in general would have a lot of judgment for at least i i found myself being like oh man these poor people it's like well they could also walk out the door jordan like don't forget that part you know like i don't know i i think stuff like that is interesting i also i I didn't think anybody else was drawn with enough like that's the problem for me was that koresh was like well very well acted by kitsch and also seemingly well characterized and nobody else was super well characterized except maybe his one buddy the blonde guy who basically just had like a weird minnesota accent or something <laughs> and that was the extent of his characterization for me like i think he did a fine job but the rest of them didn't see like melissa benoist was like barely in it she, and no, nobody else got proper treatment as a human so it was really hard for me to see how it's like making except i mean kieran culkin's character i suppose but but like rory culkin and and rory culkin that culkin whichever culkin is in this one right so he um, plays david thibodeau uh thibodeau um who's one of thibodeau, the two books yeah. that this is drawn from is is he's one of the survivors um and he had a memoir called the place called waco so it's about it's based on that book and then based on the a book written by the fbi hostage negotiator played by michael shannon yeah, and that explains why they're more drawn out as characters, I suppose, right? The source material, but Michael Shannon also really good in this. I mean, it was it had a lot, of, it had a quite a lineup, quite a lineup of folks, which is crazy. Now, when you said that it came out in twenty eighteen, I was like, it came out when? What? Like, it, it's amazing that it was so buried, even if it was just aired on the Paramount Network, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the other reason why it may be didn't launch with as much momentum as maybe they were hoping was also that um it was produced one of the production companies uh behind it was the weinstein company and then me too happened well specifically the allegations about harvey weinstein came out the weinstein company basically went into bankruptcy and so they took the weinstein company's name off of it but i wouldn't be surprised again i i don't know for sure but i wouldn't be surprised it was also like a little bit of an orphan from a publicity and promotion standpoint yeah that makes sense i I wonder if the timing i mean it's also a tough thing to project to release like you know there was there's always the um hesitation for any like violence or action movies around any kind of like actual mass shooting right and then this one would be, I imagine, even more so, right? Like, you can't imagine this coming out after an actual event like that, where it's like, well, but both sides have good points. Because you're like, okay, come on, fuck you. Especially fuck you right now, right? So I would say also that my experience of it, um, I, I had less, and we can talk maybe a little bit more about some of the the, the way it portrays the, the events and, and the politics of it in, in spoilers, but... Um, I would say just as a drama, I also struggled with it a little bit because that it felt like each episode that I've seen was significantly better than the one before it, which also meant that the first episode was like just a complete slog for me. And and again, partly this is just because I'm not particularly interested in David Koresh. I'm not super interested in this story. And so that first episode where it just kind of feels like you're just 
getting introduced to everyone, I was really, really bored with. And then in the second episode where you start to get a sense of this, that things are leading to this conflict between the government and the Branch Davidians, then I started to perk up a little bit. I mean, it sounds sort of morbid <laughs> to say, put it that way. But like, but like <laughs> when the, you know, when the, when the story kind of, and what like starts to kick in, and then I thought like the, the third episode uh, was, was really powerful and really compelling. Again, I don't know that it's, any of it I thought was like amazing, but obviously just as you get more into the conflict and the sort of suspense of how does the bad outcome that we know is coming, how does that happen? Then I was like really pulled in and I, I was not expecting that after the first episode. After the first episode, I thought I was just going to be like gritting my teeth trying to get through another one. Yeah, I think I sent that message that in the, the our Slack about it. Right after, right during that first episode, which is I think reflected similar feelings. I forget what exactly I said, but it was you like, said, "Oh, this show." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was it was taxing, and I was almost comical in that first episode. I didn't end up like it, I felt that there was it, it compelled me to watch all of it pretty quickly. So I was like wanted to find out just like you like what happened why did this happen like that i don't think i think as like an actual production it was kind of like middling like it felt pretty it felt kind of like an extended dramatic reenactment from like a from like a docu-series or something uh in some ways like the like a lot of the filming was pretty pedestrian and forgettable the acting jobs were really good, but it just didn't look like a real polished thing. Despite the, I think they tried to make the the opening credits feel like an HBO show, like premier tele or what do you call it, like, like prestige event television, prestige television, because it has good soundtrack and like the kind of animation that you expect from that. But then when it actually came to it, it was like this feels like maybe a maybe a network show, but where they can do ultra violence or stuff. Jordan, I assume you liked it a little bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as far as like dramas go, if it wasn't for the fact that this was based on a true story that I've found interesting for a long time, I wouldn't give it high marks. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. I think um, Kish, Kitch, whatever his name is, did a really excellent. Yeah, he did a really excellent job with with the role. I think and. yeah, he looked uh, he looked almost unrecognizable too. As himself, he's also like but. made a mullet really attractive. Like I don't he, that man, you know. But um. <laughs> which I'm excited about right now because my hair is quickly entering mullet territory. Oh, approaching. <laughs> but I think like you know, for example, if you compare it against what was that Unabomber? Was it just called Unabomber? What was mm-hmm, that dramatization so. of the Unabomber story? Like I thought that was done way better than this was if this was based not on a true story but just totally fictional i probably wouldn't enjoy it all that much for a lot of the reasons that you guys are talking about like the character development felt really heavy-handed in certain areas like gary and um david and was missing in other places particularly with actors that they had what's the ozark girl's name julia garner she's fantastic like 
you can do so much with an actress like her and you know i just felt like her character wasn't good enough for the actor but um because it was tied to this thing that i'm just generally interested in and there's actually like there's plenty of content but there's also like so little content on at the same time i don't know if that point makes sense you know like that it just it drew me in a little bit but i don't think it's like the best thing on netflix although i do think that it probably got a way way bigger viewership on netflix than it did on what is it the paramount network Paramount oh, Network. Yeah. yeah i think that that seems to be sort of generally true of of shows that unless they're on hbo or something that if they're, if they're just on some random network and then they make it onto Netflix, that's when they reach a mass audience. I, I'm thinking also of, um, what's it called, like Shit's Creek? It seems like that's where, they, they basically admit that that's where they found their audience was on Netflix. Um, yeah. And then that Penn Badgley show, uh, You, I think, started out on another network, moved to Netflix, and that, again, became a Netflix original and, and found its audience there. Oh, what was what was that on? Like CW or something? No, it was again one of these networks that you've never heard of. Let's see if I can find it. It was on Lifetime, actually. So okay, not a network you've oh, never wow. heard of, but just a network that <laughs> I don't watch. Why don't you watch the Lifetime network? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm a cord cutter. Oh yeah, they have a streaming service, Anthony. I I, I don't know if they do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, well, wh- why don't we move into spoilers just because it seemed like there were at least a few things you wanted to touch on and, and felt a little hesitant to. So if, if you don't want to know how, I mean, obviously, I think we know generally how it ends, but if you don't want to know about the, the plot details of this show and you haven't watched it yet, you should stop listening now. Did you finish um, it, Daryl? I did. Wow. How'd you do that? <laughs> uh, it, just, it was just on in the background so forgive me if i missed some key points every time the radio guy comes on he's like wait what <laughs> that asshole <laughs> um well i don't know exactly how to haven't we been talking spoilers this whole time i'm sorry if i spoiled things i wasn't no i feel like we, we mostly were talking about i mean a the general direction which i think is fair and then i, I just don't know if there were things like in the final episodes that, that you wanted to talk about. I mean, did you feel like it sort of wrapped everything up in a, in a pretty satisfying way? I mean, as satisfying as can be. As math's death can be. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's really tough for that to end in a satisfying manner. I mean, I thought, the, uh, to its credit, I thought that it, they did a possibly the best job of, like, being actually genuinely emotion-provoking in that episode. But um, and they did some stuff where I, I did not really expect them to do. Like they kind of redeemed even the uh, what is it? Firearms, tobacco, ATF, AT, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, farms, yeah, tobacco. yeah, farmsies, <laughs> the farm police. <laughs> yeah, they they did a good job of uh, making that guy seem like somewhat human. Uh, whereas before he had been like a real ball buster asshole, you know, um, I have to say that he, like, so the, the, the main ATF villain guy, I think that guy is then, actually FBI, you guys, just to be clear. So, oh, is he? wait, no, oh, who, who are we talking about? We're talking about the guy on the, the police team 
who was who kept essentially arguing with Gary, not the top big slug looking guy, but the, yeah, not the slug man, the other one who was like, oh God, that's so cool. I don't, I'm sorry, but they cast him for <laughs> no, that for I backed a reason. It up. I, I like, mean, what? like obviously, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, what they I were know. going for. But the yeah. the guy who was the one who initially told him to fire the shot in Idaho, and his sniper killed the wife. And he, right, so that's Mitch yeah. Decker played by Shay. Wigum or Wigum, um, he sort of plays cops and a lot of things. I was thinking, and I guess again, I haven't seen the the rest of it, but I was thinking also there is this ATF guy who's kind of an asshole in the first couple episodes who has this, um, just this like like blonde mustache, and he has the ex- the exact same blonde mustache as David's like second in command, and so I like for that Gary. whole first episode, I was really confused because I was like, oh, is this is David's friend? actually an undercover ATF agent because oh I God. also saw him with his mustache yeah, right, so confused. Though right. so it's Steve Snyder character, the Paul, Paul Sparks guy. Mm-hmm. You thought they were the same. I, who, I know who you're talking about. No, yeah, I was talking about uh, Shay Wiggum. Okay, yeah, okay. Which, like, I don't think, like, to be honest with you, like, how you felt about the radio guy, I felt kind of about this FBI guy. And I say he's not. ATF well, I thought he was an asshole. ATF left after day one. Once they fucked it up the way they did okay. at the beginning, the FBI was like, "No, you guys don't even get to hang around for this." As far as I remember, um, right, right. So the FBI handled most of that, and then that guy just kept, you know, like, "Well, let's just punch him," you know. And it's like they're not res- yeah, yeah. responding to punches. Why don't we give him a carrot? And he's like, "No, hit him," you know. And it's like. <laughs> No, exactly. Dude. He was like a through and through cartoonish asshole, but then he had a pretty good scene with like a, his emotions seemed real when he was like trying to get Melissa Benoist out of the yeah. basement and she died with all the children. Yeah. Like that one that struck me as one of the better acted moments. I agree. It was very touching in the show. But it like doesn't yeah. really change how I feel about him. As no, a no, character. no. Just cuz like you cried no. like, "Oh, lay in your bed, bro." Like yeah, but it was like too little, too late to redeem him entirely and make him a real human. But at like least he was he still felt pretty much cardboard. It wasn't like, haha, burn, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like there there was a lot of that in that last episode that I thought was good. Even um, the Paul Sparks character's like murder suicide thing was actually pretty co- compelling, even though that's like, ugh, it's like, I don't even, why do we need to see this right now? But, uh, I thought, I thought, I mean, I, sh- I was rude about Paul Sparks earlier because c- he did just seem to have this weird goofball accent for a lot of it. But I did think he did a pretty good job overall of, of convincing you of the nature of that character and his like weird dual nature of being a relatively reasonable, intelligent person, but also fully believing in uh, Koresh and, and his like, status right yeah, he was actually a like confusing he character for that reason right because like all of his instincts are telling him don't be in this situation right and that and yet yeah he's still you know he's like the only one that seems to really be zoomed out and be like this is bad like i shouldn't be a part of this like my wife's sleeping with this dude and you know yeah but i think that's like the kind of I mean, I just didn't uh, buy that he would I, still I, be there. Like that's like it. it well, was hard I, I think for that's kind of like the that. 
way in for us for anybody right like if you want to make this genuinely sympathetic you need somebody who is both relatable and also bought in because that's kind of the the terror of the cultists right, right? it's totally. like they could be you and no matter what you say about like well i wouldn't be there to begin with like the point is supposed to be they could be you right like that's always no the advice for for why you should sympathize with the victims of this it's like it, you think that it's a certain profile but you know under the right circumstances it could be anybody so i think he does a good job of that right like and he they don't bother going too much into justification of why except they talk about the his theology background which i think is a pretty convincing background for why right but like the actor does a good job of convincing me at least that he that both those things are true that he is both like aware of the problems of the situation the obvious problems and also like a firm true believer in correct well, the other thing though too though with the, that made it like I, I agree with you that's part of what what has to be done is to make someone that you could somewhat relate to and reason with be bought in but at the same time like the other piece of me that was frustrated by it or didn't believe it was that he's a theologian and i'm I mean, I've not gone to theology school or anything, but I do believe that that's not just all, it's not like you're sitting there learning blind faith for however long, right? Like you, there's a no, lot of not. like logic involved in all of that. And of course, like, okay, so let's put it this way. If I say this house is going to burn down and then I light the house on fire, do you think that I'm a prophet? No, right, right. Like right. there's a cause and effect to all of those prophecies coming true, and that was David. Like he set in motion many of the things that happened. So what? You just think that someone of that caliber of intellect would be like, this isn't really a prophecy so much as it's just you doing things you say you're gonna do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but the the initial com- like his his initial convincing wasn't seals. about prophecy. I understand that. Yeah, it, it, like, it was like a strictly academic argument, basically. Right. Right? And then, and then after that, like it's it, it's easier and easier for him to be bought in, especially once he's like cut off from all external yeah, yeah, validation. I got it. We should start a cult. Do you want you want a cult? Do I want to have yeah. a cult? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. It seems like a good deal. <laughs> what if we made a good cult? That's how they all start, right? <laughs> this one was good we're gonna do a good cult <laughs> we don't bother anyone well you know like the the other character who is less convincing and i thought like kind of wasted was the john Leguizamo character in this who is like i'll just throw oh, out maybe he's got some good like ideas you're talking about who is john Leguizamo? you know john Leguizamo. i think it's john Leguizamo. <laughs> oh sorry that is that how you change my situation okay he's, he's the he's jacob who is the atf agent who is surveilling the compound and then oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i know who sympathetic. that is wait you don't know john Leguizamo? he's i know he's I in know, the goddamn know, super mario brothers I know who movie he is now that you've mentioned i just don't know that face <laughs> and that name together and i've oh, only okay. seen the super mario movie like never times he was in spawn <laughs> <laughs> he was he, he was definitely the best part of spawn yeah, <laughs> I'm listing all of his worst credits. But he was such a bad undercover agent. 
like terrible. Yeah, he was like, a terrible. They undercover. come up to the door and he's like, goes out and like closes it carefully behind him and is like, <gasps> What are you doing here? What's oh, going don't, on? Uh, don't come in. We're, we're still unpacking. Don't uh, come in at all because my we're three adult male friends hanging out in this empty house staring out suspiciously. Pay us no mind. Yeah, don't worry about that. We're ranchers. And like, you know, ranchers. Yeah. That's even though ticket. we run a yeah. rancher business, <laughs> I don't know anything about ranching, even simple things. So you're going to have to wait to talk to someone about our else cover about at all. that yeah like what the hell yeah. like come on well but he was was he atf he, he was, was atf, ATF right? he was atf or, yeah see, <laughs> those, those guys don't know nothing. what's going on man <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean i feel like in general it, it the, the cast relative to the the character development that they get I mean, actually, I think you know uh, the, the 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 Jacob Vasquez John Leguizamo character is interesting, even if if it's sort of his storyline is kind of rushed through, and he kind of seems to like like kind of get on board with David fairly quickly. Um, I, yeah, I f- that's probably what it is. They probably had to get him in and out too quick f- to to make any kind of convincing right. arc about his development. Well, I guess, but it's also that the mechanics of well, if he's not really involved at all in the end game, then they have to sort of tell that full arc in like an episode and a half. Yeah, yeah. But also they had Cameron Manheim in a similar they did a lot they had a lot of actors who have like really stunning resumes and uh are are very, very talented individuals who are just like given very little to do here. And you mentioned Jordan, uh, that I think it's Julia Garner, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, who uh, you know, I I don't know her work, but it sounds like she's a promising young actor. So they had like people with like really long resumes. They had people who are really strong and up and coming people, and then they like didn't give. Them and then they also had Rory Culkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> who was good? I thought he was good. He did fine. He's such he, a Culkin, though. I mean, they all. He's a very Culkin. They're so yeah. Culkin-y that you're just like you're a Culkin. I couldn't think of anything else. It's yeah. hard to. It's hard to. Yeah, escape like even that in Succession, for... with the show that's so good, every time that Roman Roy says something, I'm like, you're a Culkin. <laughs> like I just can't. Yeah. They're so Culkin-y. Yeah, I think I think that's the one where he's almost flipping it, where it's like, oh, now it's a Roy thing. Like you're just a you're you're a Roman Roy, right? And now maybe that'll become Culkin-y thing, where you'll see Rory and stuff, and you'll be like. Shouldn't you be Roman Shouldn't Roy? Shouldn't be <laughs> Roy Jr.? Yeah, yeah. But it, I, that was, it was astounding to me that all these people agreed to sign up for this thing. And I, I mean, it was just, they they did everything they possibly could. It just felt so weirdly mediocre for all these people to be on board with this, you know? Yeah, it's probably because they knew that Waco is like, if not on Paramount Network, then eventually just the idea of Waco would draw people in. People love tragedy, man. And like watching stuff about yeah. real stories. And that was such a big deal. Can you imagine something lasting 50 days with armored tanks outside of the small little compound? Like what a frenzy that must have been. Like it's nuts. It's just such a bonkers thing with a cult guy and like mm-hmm. underage brides and there's 40 children in there and like, it's just crazy, right? Like, that is such a weird thing that it doesn't really matter what. They could have just, like, you know, done anything, and people would have been like, I want to watch this. What's going on with Waco, you know? They, they could have given Michael Shannon one of the books that it's based on and just had him read it to the camera. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that would be Waco. pretty good, probably. <laughs> well, I know we are pretty much running out of time, so I suppose we should wrap it up there unless anyone has any quick final thoughts. Uh, no, I mean... 
I don't know. My advice would be to save your time, honestly, unless you have a real strong historical fascination with this thing. Uh, then I then I check it out. If you're like a true crime person and you like that stuff, you know, you're in that genre with me, then it's not the best thing that you'll watch, but it's fine. It's a good time fill when we're all bored and need more content. I'd give it a tentative single thumb up. <laughs> I would agree with that, that I think if you're, if you're interested in the subject matter, it's a reasonably good dramatization of it. If you're not that interested, I, I don't think it's bad or a waste of your time, but there's probably other things you could prioritize. Um, and with that, I will just have a obligatory reminder that you can always email us at originalcontent at techcrunch.com. If you have anything to say about Waco or about this review, we will read it on our next episode. You can also subscribe and... Leave us a positive review on Apple Podcast or any other app. And Daryl and Jordan, I will talk to you soon. Yep. All right. Take care.